The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Please check us out at www.cutemple.org. That's C-U-T-E-M-P-L-E dot org for our live stream every Sunday morning from 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time. If you're in our area, please stop by for our Wednesday evening Bible 365 service at 7 p.m. Today we're continuing the series called Keys to the Kingdom. And the Keys to the Kingdom is, uh, is a series that is based on the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, which is found in the gospel of Matthew between chapters five and seven. Now this is a very, very important series. So actually I'm taking my time and doing a metaphysical and practical application of every line in the sermon on the Mount. So we're going to take our time. We're going to do what we need to do. If it takes a little bit longer than I expected to do, well, well, we have week after week after week to be with each other. Today I'm going to be referencing some material, so um, you want to make sure that you have a pen. So if you need to write anything down, you can. I would like to uh, pick up where we left off. The last two weeks, um, I taught the Beatitudes along with an overview of the Sermon on the Mount two weeks ago, basically trying to explain what it means, what the metaphysical significance, the symbology, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm not going to start there again. I want to pick up where we left off, which is right after the Beatitudes, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 13. And I'm going to read to from 5.13 to 5.16. And I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It reads, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and gives and it gives light to all 
in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. Now, let me give some context, first of all, about the salt, literally, before we get into the metaphysics of it. I'm reading from Dr. Rocco Errico and George M. Lamza's Aramaic New Testament series, Volume 1, which is called Aramaic Light on the Gospel of Matthew. Aramaic Light on the Gospel of Matthew. And he says that in the book on page 65, no food would have any flavor without mixing a little salt with it. But when salt loses its savor, it becomes useless. There are two kinds of salt, sea salt and earth salt. Sea salt never loses its savor. But when salt is mined from the earth, it must be kept dry so that its savor may be preserved. When Easterners carelessly store their salt and, and it loses its savor, they will throw the salt on their rooftops. Then men and women working and children playing on the housetops will trample the salt under their feet. So that gives you some context of what it meant when Jesus was talking about it would be trampled. He goes on to say the Hebrew Bible tells us, tells that God had called Israel as a nation to be a spiritual leader for other nations. Israel's prophets had been teaching their people and God's words had been guiding them. But for many years, the people of Israel had lost their way and the Gentile nations had trampled them. He's given an allegorical understanding of it now. The people of Israel were the precious salt of the earth. To, the, to save the nations of the earth. These people had God's word and, I, and the idea of a universal kingdom based on peace and justice. Jesus spoke directly to the people and admonished them not to lose their savor. They were to be examples of living in the kingdom of God right now, regardless of the world's condition. Now, when we take this a, a level deeper, metaphysically, salt of the earth represents the thoughts in man that understand love and obey truth as Jesus taught and demonstrated. It is also is also representative of the ability of an idea to change the culture of a particular mind, like salt changes the flavor of a meal. So anytime you're cooking a meal, it only takes a little bit of seasoning to change the whole dish. If you're eating something, you put some salt in it, you put some pepper in it, you put some whatever, paprika or whatever it is that you are using as seasoning. The moment you put something in a dish, it only takes a little bit to change the whole flavor. What this is simply saying is this. Sometimes we look at quantity and not quality. Work with a little bit of truth you know. Work with the forgiveness that you understand. Work with the love that you understand. Work with the concept of prosperity that you understand. Be the salt. If you're a peacemaker, as Jesus talked about in the Beatitudes, be that stand for peace in your own space. Because it is the salt that that salts or gives flavor to the earth. It gives flavor to the manifestation. Because earth, metaphysically, is a symbol of manifestation. So we have to be clear that when we're talking about being the salt of the earth, Jesus is simply saying that we should be the spiritual seasoning in our environment. We should be the the expression of the kingdom of God in our environment. We should be the expression of God's love in our environment. Because just like a little bit of salt can change the flavor of that gumbo, 
your little bit of love can change the experience that you're in. But you have to be that space. It's really important to understand that. Emmett Fox talks about this in the book, The Sermon on the Mount, on page 48. He says, if you understand and accept the teachings of Jesus, and if you make every effort to practice them in every department of your own daily life, if you seek systematically to destroy in yourself everything which you know should not be there, things such as selfishness, pride, vanity, sensuality, self-righteousness, jealousy, self-pity, resentment, condemnation, and so forth, not feeding or nourishing them by giving in to them, but starving them to death by refusing them expression. If you extend the right thought loyally to every person or thing within your kin, especially to the people or things you dislike, then you are worthy to be called the salt of the earth. If you truly live this life, then it does not in the least matter what your present circumstances may be or what difficulties you may have to struggle against. You will triumph over them all. You will make your demonstration. And not only will you make your own demonstration in the quickest possible time, but you will be in a very positive and literal sense, a healing and illumining illumining influence on all around you and a blessing to the whole human race. You will be a blessing to men and women in remote places and times, men and women of whom you have never heard and who will never hear of you, a light of the world. In fact, startling and wonderful as that may sound. Mm. So it's something to think about when we start talking about being the salt of the earth. The scripture goes on to say, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. Now, according to Dr. Erico in the book Aramaic Light on the Gospel of Matthew, the word light in that light in Jesus's language of Aramaic means teaching, enlightenment, brilliance, intelligence. Metaphysically, we normally just use light to say illumination. We use that as a carry-all word. They see they thought of the Torah as being a light and the teachings of the prophets as a light. They referred to God's presence as a light. So it's really important that we understand that we're to be the space of illumination and light in our lives. It's important for us to realize that no matter what the outer circumstances might be, we have to be the stand of integrity for truth in any situation. It's highly important. See, when we realize that light is the illumination of spirit and consciousness, then we understand even the Genesis story when it says, let there be light. See, let there be illumination. Let the dawning of truth come forward in consciousness. Now, when you have this dawning of truth in consciousness, then that means it's up to us to be the light in the space. Now, he says a city on the hill cannot be hidden. Now, this is important. You have to realize that in ancient days, it was important to have your city on a hill for defense purposes because it meant if a person had to attack your city, 
they had to climb uphill. Jerusalem is actually on a hill. That was one of the reasons why David made it the capital of Israel, because it's on a hill. Now, they would have understood that a city on a hill can be seen from a great distance. So just like a city on a hill can be seen from a great distance, so too your consciousness when illumined with truth can be can affect others at a great distance see we have to allow our light to shine because it gives light to the entire house now when we have that illumination it gives light to the whole house metaphysically house represents consciousness you know, scripture says, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Remember that? That's from, I believe, Psalm chapter 127. Unless the Lord build the house, unless the Lord, unless the activity of divine law, unless this illumination builds the house, the consciousness, they labor. The thinker labors in vain that builds it. Because why? Because the consciousness can't stand up to the experiences of life. So we have to be clear. That we have to be that light. So we have to ask ourselves the question. How does truth show up in my life and with my interactions with other people? How does truth show up? That's important. Because when we recognize when we're out of alignment with truth, it's easier to get back into alignment. But it's something about not even knowing that you're out of alignment. And when we do that. When we are being the space for truth, then God is glorified, not our personal will, not our ego. We're not trying to get puffed up by doing good. We're doing good for right sake, not good for recognition. Because it's God who is glorified by the work we do. It is God that is glorified by the work we do. It is God that is glorified by the work we do. I have to say that over and over again, because when we realize that, when people see the good works, they have to realize that it is a spirit within you that is doing the work. It's a, there's a spirit within you that allows the whole spirit of truth to work in you. I mean, to show forth as the fruit of spirit, as love, as peace, as joy, as harmony, as prosperity, as health. When people see your demonstration, then they can go forward and say, well, God is no respecter of person. And since God is no respecter of person, if God can do it, I mean, through him or her, God can do it through me. Listen to what Emmett Fox says. I mean, this is this is very, very powerful. Uh, matter of fact, this is so, so powerful that I want to read the whole thing. He says on page 48 again, the state of your soul is always expressed in your outer conditions and in the intangible influence in which you radiate at large. There's a cosmic law that nothing can permanently deny its own nature. Emerson said, what you are shout so loudly that I cannot hear what you say. In the Bible, the city always stands for consciousness and the hill or mountain always means prayer or spiritual activity. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. The soul is built upon prayer, cannot be hidden. It shines out brightly through the life that it lives. It speaks for itself. 
but in utter silence, it does much of its best work unconsciously. Its mere presence heals and blesses all around it without special effort. Then he goes on to say, never try to force other people to accept spiritual truth. Instead, see to it that they are so favorably impressed by your own life and conduct and the peace and joy that radiate from you that they will come running to you of their own accord begging you to give them the wonderful thing that you have i the christ truth if i be lifted up will draw all men unto me to do this is to make your soul truly the city upon a hill that cannot be hidden because it is the golden city the city of god this is to let your light shine to the glorifying of your father which is in heaven now again we're not talking about a heaven that's off somewhere we're talking about the presence and power of god active in your life we're talking about the omniscience omnipresence and omnipotence of god god is everywhere equally present and god is the all-pervading presence in the universe therefore when we realize that we realize that we are just the self-expression, not just. We are the self-expression. I don't want to diminish that. The self-expression of God. And when we show up, God shows out. Now, I want to take a quick break to remind you that this show is supported by your donations, along with the rest of the shows on Unity Online Radio. You, you can click on the Donate button and support this station so it can continue to give truth to the world to share these principles so we can transform the world and create the space of peace and love and harmony that Jesus and other spiritual teachers taught also remember that you can call in if you have any questions the number is 888-558-6489 888-558 Six four eight nine. Call, check us out. Ask me a question. I would love to hear from you, so we can talk about this again. I'm gonna take uh, teach this sermon on the mount as long as I desire. So you don't have to worry about me missing something. Whatever I don't cover today will be covered the week after, or the week after that, or the week after that. I'm gonna take my time with it. I'm doing it for the whole rest of the year and possibly going forward into the new year because I want to make sure that we really get. This core teaching of Jesus, this thing we call the Sermon on the Mount, this teaching we call the Sermon on the Mount. So give me a call and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to tens of thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. If you have been served by this programming, we invite you to support it by visiting www.unity.fm and clicking on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. What I desire for myself, I desire for all beings. There is only one presence and one power at work in the universe. 
As I align myself with this truth, I set in motion ripples of peace, harmony, and abundance throughout the world. In a quiet time of prayer, I center my thoughts on the perfect peace within me. There is no lack, no separation, only the wholeness of peace. I affirm aloud, I am peace. You are peace. We are peace. I rest for a moment, feeling my heart expand as peace radiates from me. I envision a world in which all beings live in harmony, free from lack, free from violence, and at peace. One by one, each of us creates this peace for all. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Rev. Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We are still working with the series Keys to the Kingdom, which is based on the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. I'm taking calls if anybody uh, would like to ask me any questions or make any comments about the Sermon on the Mount. You can call at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. Again, now let's go back to the scriptures. We, uh, I'm now reading from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 through 20. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to I've come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
Jesus' teachings are important because it's what he's basically saying with this is, I haven't come to destroy anything that you've learned. I'm teaching you how to demonstrate it. The law and the prophets are the teachings of the Torah and the prophetic books of the Bible. Metaphysically, they represent the moral and outer observances of religious piety, which are the Pharisees, that we pass through on our way to spiritual consciousness. We must grow through all the levels of consciousness on the way to spiritual consciousness. So we all have a little bit of Pharisee in us. What does that mean? We all have a little bit of that self-righteous. These are the outer things you do that make you holy, that make you moral, that make you right, that make you proper, that make you just. And what I'm realizing that it's not about just the outer observances. We're not discounting them. But where's the intent? Where's the heart? Is it coming from a space of love? Is it coming from a space of wisdom? Is it coming from a space of peace? Or is it coming from a space of this is what I'm doing so other people can think that I'm righteous and godly and proper and all of the, you know, self-righteous reasons. So we have to take a step back because we have to learn how to get beyond that level of thinking. It's not just walking, you know, wearing the right type of outfit with a Bible underneath your arm that makes you a Christian. Is are you actually practicing what Jesus taught about love, about forgiveness? You know, a lot of times people talk a lot about the Bible. Uh, two things that are not talked about a lot is love your enemies. <laughs> That's one of them. And the other one is forgive seven times seventy seven. Now, those are major parts of Jesus' teachings, or love your neighbor as yourself. So when we start talking about the teachings of Jesus, Jesus emphasized the transformation of consciousness because he knew when the heart was changed, people change. You can't administer rules to the heart. You can't administer rules to outer, outer civil, for outer civil rules. In other words, don't do this, don't do that. These are the consequences. But you can't, you can't make laws to rule the mind and heart of human beings. They have to be transformed on the inside. So Jesus is saying when we realize our oneness with God, we transcend or break formal ways of thinking and their effects. Outer observance to religious rules can never take us into Christ awareness. That's key. It doesn't make a difference how many times you've gone through religious rituals. That can't bring you into Christ's awareness, Christ's consciousness, this kingdom of heaven consciousness. When we realize that, we will stop trying to, or we will possibly stop trying to, to take care of all of the outer observances of our religion or our spirituality, and start to work on the inner man, on the inner person. Let me work on me. Let me work on my own mind. Let me work on how I deal with people who I don't like or I don't like their ways. Let me, how do I feel about people who have different uh, religious beliefs than I do, different political views than I do, different, um, you know, views on Things across the board. It could be sexual orientation. It could be uh, finances. It could be uh, how you raise children. Many times we 
think that somebody is wrong because they don't agree with us. But I love what Neil Donald Walsh wrote once. He, he wrote that my way is not a better way. It's just another way. I'll repeat that. My way is not a better way. It's just another way. See, because when we realize that, that it's just another way, you can have your way that's best for you and your own soul development. And I need to have mine. When we realize that, it allows us to be able to go forward. This this as part of the Sermon on the Mount also tells us that universal law stipulates that we must reap what we have sown, attract what we radiate and receive what we have given and even beget what we have believed because it says not one stroke of the letter will pass until all is accomplished. So in other words, when we put in the motion for ourselves, we get back. Now we'll talk about later how we transcend that. But for right now, we need to get a basic understanding of universal law. It doesn't go anywhere. It's something we always have to work with or as uh, George Clinton of Parliament Funkadelic used to say, it's so high you can't get over it and so low you can't get under it. Now, moving on. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. It reads, you have heard that it was said to those in ancient times, you shall, you shall not murder, and whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to to the council. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to the hell of fire. So when you're offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're on the way to court with him or your accuser may hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown in prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, what is Jesus saying? It's important that we realize that it is the consciousness that drives behavior, not behavior that drives consciousness. Therefore, some people say, well, you know, don't do this, don't murder, don't do these things of violence, which is actually, you know, really good advice. But we have to realize that it's what we are allowed to simmer inside the soul that actually allows us to be able to act violently. So we need to deal with that first. Jesus is telling you deal with what's in your consciousness first. Because when we deal with what's in our consciousness first, it never gets to the point of the violence. Because before there's physical violence, there's always mental and emotional violence. Before somebody gets attacked outwardly, They've been attacked inwardly or somebody's being attacked by the the angry and vengeful thoughts and feelings that we hold in consciousness. Jesus is letting us know that we have to deal with the consequences of our thoughts and actions. So when we do certain things, we have to realize that guess what? There are going to be consequences. This is why we need to reconcile quickly. That's why if we are working with our own prayer work, he even says, you know what? Get, get, get right in your mind about your brother or your sister that you have issues with, then come back for the prayer because when you're in a certain level of consciousness, you're not touching the hem of the garment. You're not touching that Christ consciousness within you because you're holding on to other stuff. Hellfire or the hell of fire is a Semitic idiom that means mental anguish 
and torment. Hell isn't a place. It is a state of awareness. When we live out of harmony with the truth of our own being, which is the Christ, we reap the effects of hell or the experience of our sense of separation from God. We get the negative consequences of our choices and actions. Now, why is this important? It's important because we put our own selves in hell. Not as a place that we go to after we make our transition, but right here and right now. The hell of of arguing and fighting and debating with your your significant other or your children or your parents or your siblings or friends and co-workers. That's hell. Going through extreme situations with our health. Many times because of the stress that we've put on ourselves that it doesn't allow our bodies to heal and, and balance itself. That's hell. Not having enough money to take care of your responsibilities is hell. Let's make it plain. So what we want to do is reconcile with those thoughts and those feelings because your brother and your sister is not out there. And that's a good thing to do if you can. But what if your brother and sister or quote unquote the person you're mad about Mad at rather is deceased. What do you do then? You have to forgive the thought. You have to release the thought in your own soul. And you do that by realizing one thing. Forgiveness means giving up all hope for a better past. That's Gerald Jampolsky. Forgiveness means giving up all hope for a better past. That book, that quote is found in Forgiveness, the Greatest Healer of All by Gerald Jampolsky. And it's a very powerful quote because it says that we can't live in the past and put our past in our future if we want to be free. We have to be in the space of wholeness now. So whatever the reason it is right now for you to hold on to whatever you're holding on to, if you're holding on to something, realize that it doesn't matter. You're punishing yourself. And the only question that you really need to ask yourself is, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole? Now, it goes on to say, Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. You've heard that it was said, you should not commit adultery. I say to you that everyone who looks at his heart with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body going to hell. Now, obviously, this is a metaphor. Jesus is not asking anybody to pluck out their eye or cut off their hands and there are people who do stuff like this you know they steal or whatever in certain cultures they cut your hand off that's not what jesus is advocating he's talking about metaphorically now when we start going into the new thought interpretation metaphysically adultery is when we mix pure spiritual thoughts with error thoughts we are only to marry or attach our thinking to the highest ideals And when we are mixing our spiritual thoughts with thoughts of lack, 
and sickness and in harmony and jealousy and all the other stuff that goes along with um, low levels of thinking. We're committing adultery. Again, Jesus actually went to the heart of the matter. Even literally before a person commits adultery, they physically, they've done it mentally many times. Many times. You just don't end up there. You've done it many times. So again, Jesus is saying, work with your consciousness first. Because if you work with your consciousness, you don't have to work with the action later, nor the consequences of the action. It goes on to say about the right eye. The right eye represents what you, uh, what keeps your attention consistently. So if your right eye offends, offends you, pluck it out. If you're, if what's keeping your attention is not good for you, stop it. That's what it's saying. Stop it. Whatever's keeping your attention is not good for you, distracting you, pulling you off of purpose. Stop it. Because when you stop it, you allow yourself to get back in alignment with truth. The right hand represents our actions. So he says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now, in other words, if you have actions that are getting you into trouble, stop it. Cut it off. Not literally, metaphorically. Cut it off. We have to get to the place where we understand that we're always working with consciousness. We are always working with consciousness. We are always working with consciousness. Because when we get that part alone, we can go forward and do what we need to do spiritually. Living in the space of love, harmony, joy, and all of the goodness of God. I hope that makes sense. Now, let me remind you that yet again, you can call into the show at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489, and ask me any question that has to do with the subject matter. Also, I would like to remind you again that this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you have freely received, please freely give. Click the donate button and become a supporter of Unity Online Radio. Also, you can tune in to the live stream at Christ Universal Temple at www.cutemple.org I believe the website link is actually on my page and on Unity Online Radio and don't forget to go on my Facebook page which is Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell and like it and you know post it let your friends know about the show let them know when it's coming up so we can get the word out so the, the more of truth like this that gets out to the world the quicker we can work at transforming the space you literally can be the difference in the world by helping spread the message of truth every person can be a minister in the sense that every person can serve because the word minister means to serve and we all can serve we all can give we can all support support the evolution of humanity that's what we're here for that's what we're here for now so make sure that you check out our stream. Make sure you click the donate button. Make sure you support. We got uh, one more quick section and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. 
Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I am Galen McDowell, and I'm your host. And we are teaching Keys to the Kingdom a series that is based on the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, which is found in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. And and now I'm actually on a new verse, which is chapter 5, verses 30, verse 31 and 32. And it reads, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say, to you that anyone who divorces his wife except on the grounds of unchastity causes her to commit adultery whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery now a lot of people have taken this verse and used it to promote in 2012 that Jesus condemned divorce completely but we have to realize that marriage was not marriage beforehand Oh, I see I have a quick a, a caller here. So let me pause for a moment, then I'll get back to this. Uh, Rispa, are you online? Yeah. Yeah. How you doing? Hello. Great and what? getting better. I love your show. It's awesome. I love your interpretations, the uh, metaphysical interpretations. It's just right on point. Um, so I'm a big fan. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, <laughs> my question is, you know, you earlier you were talking about, you know, just cutting it off. And I was wondering how, 
how does one, you know, like just cut it off, and especially in the midst of forgiveness and you're trying, trying to forgive, you know, is it like an all or nothing kind of thing or, you know, like how do you still stay in the flow? Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Now, if, you're, if we're talking specifically about forgiveness, let's deal with that. Yeah. Okay. Just, as, just use that as an example. Forgiveness uh, means the, is the process of releasing the error thoughts, the error feelings, the beliefs, the perceptions that are driving the behavior or our actions. See, many times we think forgiveness means reconciliation with another individual. That's why we have a hard time forgiving. In other words, we just almost to a certain extent justify whatever was done. No, we're not saying that. What we're saying is the only thing that you're ever releasing and letting go of is your own perception, your own mm. thing, your own beliefs and your own feelings. Now, how do you get to that space? One of the ways that we do that is, is in New Thought, we talk a lot about love. Forgiveness is giving for. So we give love for the hate. We give peace for the inharmony. We give a, a, a thought of of I'm always empowered and responsible for my choices in place of I'm a victim. See, see, it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like, um, if I told you right now, don't think of the Statue of Liberty. Don't think of the Statue of Liberty. What would the <laughs> f- name up? Statue of Liberty. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't work. So what has to happen out of the process is you have to give yourself literally a new thought. You have to supplant the old thought. I'll give an example. Um, hopefully this will, this will come across. Uh, where are you from, by the way? Dallas. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Beautiful. Uh, um, the uh, Universal Foundation for Better Living, which is our umbrella organization, uh, will have a conference, Panorama of Truth, in San Antonio next year in July. Uh, July, I'm trying to remember, the third week of July somewhere around that time, 16th or around that time. But anyway, uh, are you familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau? Uh, I think so. Um, oh, oh, is that when he was wrestling with God? Is that? No. I'm yeah. No, I guess I'm off. <laughs> You're in general vicinity. Okay. <laughs> Esau was the older brother, and Jacob was the younger brother. Jacob stole Esau's birthright. I mean, blessing. He, 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 he tricked him out of his birthright and he got his blessing. Now, from a human level, it's a horrible story. But from a metaphysical level, it gleams some truth. One of them is this. The, the father who gave the blessing was, based, was blind, Isaac, Abraham's son, which tells mm-hmm. us and how I, uh, Jacob got the blessing was he went and put on the clothes and disguised himself to put on the furry, hairy, um, make himself furry and hairy because Esau was a furry, hairy man, put on his clothes so he would smell like him. Um, his mother made the food to, pre- uh, to present to Isaac. And Isaac blessed him based upon the feeling, thinking he was Esau. Now, metaphysically, without getting into a long detail of what that represents, is we have to take the feeling off of the older concept, Esau, and put it on the new concept, Jacob, because the universal law is blind. It blesses you according to how you feel. 
Do you, mm-hmm. you get my? See, see, if you if you are feeling a certain way about a situation, or experience, or a person, to the universal law, you're saying, "I want more of that." Huh? Yeah. Okay. So, so you have to literally take the clothes or the mood or the attitude or the energy off of one thing and put it on another. How do you do it? By shifting your attention from what you don't want to what you want. Again, remember, don't think about the the Statue of Liberty. Don't think about the Statue of Liberty. You can't do that. If you sit down and just keep saying, I'm going to forgive that person for hurting me. I'm going to forgive that person for hurting me. Guess what you never get to? Give it. <laughs> but, but you be in the space of you know, I'm the I am the 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 love of God and expression. I release, let go, and let God. I choose peace in every experience. I'm always responsible for every experience that I go through. What are you doing? You're empowering yourself by taking back your control. See, the re- the reason why we get upset and can't allow ourselves to just cut something off or loose it and let it go is because. We something happened in our past. We make a decision about it and we say going forward, this is how I'm going to handle that in the future. But guess what we actually doing? We're tying our hands because we've locked ourselves into a position that we created when we were in pain and when we were frustrated. And many times, even when we were children. Hmm. So 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 you might not be able to let something go. And that might be based upon how you acted. We're dealing with your first boyfriend or your mom didn't give you something that you wanted or because the school teacher embarrassed you as a kid. You you get the point. So 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 to be able to cut it off, first of all, you got to acknowledge what it is and what it's not. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Give it another way. Um, uh, It's an author who wrote an out of print book. If you can find it, it's it's a tough read, but it's it's a good book called. you're always your own experience by Tom Johnson. He was a science of mind minister. And in the book, he talks about no one has ever done anything to you and never will. Neither can they. I'm paraphrasing. Them. We're always our own experience. And what that meant means is that my now state of mind goes out to prepare the, the experience of myself. So I'm not concerned with how it shows up. I'm only concerned with being conscious enough to be able to say that at any moment I can change and transform an experience because I can change how I see it, how I feel about it. Therefore, it's different for me. And let's take it a different level. You can choose to call it good, even if it was what you considered a negative experience initially, because you want to get the blessing out of it. If you went through a a tough experience and um, always... the founder of Christ Universal Temple, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, would call them teeth rattling experiences. She would always say to us, call it good. She, you know, well, this sickness in my body, call it good. I don't have enough money, call it good. He left or he whatever, call it good. Why? Because you have naming power. And until you choose to call it good, it has it has it is working in your consciousness as a negative experience that has feeling attached to it. And the father is blind in the sense of universal law is blind is drawing back to you what you are radiating from it. And if you have very strong feelings about a particular thing, you can best believe that you will continually draw like experiences to it because it, the consciousness has to have consequences or experiences that match up to itself. 
So how you cut a thing off is, I hope this answer is not too long, is it? Cause I'm yeah, just going, yeah, this is awesome. Okay, I have to give it as it comes up. So the way the, t- t- that you cut a thing off is through moving your attention, attention, and using your intention. See, see, it's, it's a play on words. Moving your attention, in other words, take your attention off of what you want to, off what you don't want to, what you want, and then using your intention to laser beam focus on that very thing that you desire. So I tell people, if a person's working on, on getting a healthy body, only thing they should be reading, listening to, and doing is stuff about health. Reading as much about spiritual health and physical health and exercise or whatever else that they, they can. In other words, become immersed in the thing that you desire. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He didn't lead me, didn't lead me that literally. And he's not talking about the crack, crack a wafer in the grape juice. He was <laughs> about make what I'm teaching you a part of who you are. Because when you do, it shows up. When when I was a kid, they used to I used to watch cartoons on ABC, and they used to have this little cartoon that says, "You are what you eat," from your head down to your feet, and it went on and explaining how that process works. But you are what you think, from your head down to your feet, and in every other aspect of your life. So all of it is just taking back dominion on your mind. I gave you a couple of little things, which I know was a lot. You can go back and listen to the download of this later and play with it, so you can work with it. Flee that process. Thank you. Thank you. And keep on listening and let people know about the show, okay? Awesome. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, you too. All right. Well, we're going to have to pick up on the part about the divorce next week because I don't have enough time to explain that properly, but it's not as you, what you would think. So make sure that you ch- tune in next week. So we can work with this scripture and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, I'm taking my time. I'm not going to rush the process. That's why I'm telling you, you can call as much as you need because I'm going to make sure that we cover every line in the Sermon on the Mount. Call in with questions. That's what I'm here for, to to be uh, a facilitator for your own spiritual growth. I can't grow for you. You can't grow for me, but we can help each other along the pathway now last but not least go back and listen to the other shows on the sermon on the mount especially the overview i did on part one because it'll give you a context of what we're doing and as you go forward remember let other people know about it share it on your facebook page or on your twitter page or whatever social media you use we want to spread the word that we're doing great work here um, I'm getting great feedback from you all. Please keep giving it. Uh, I love you all. So I'll be with you next week. Enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday, and I'll hear from you next week with Truth Transforms. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
When you pray, do you wonder if anyone is listening? What should and can you ask of God? Why aren't your prayers being answered? Prayer is a challenge for many of us. Now there's a new book that can help deepen your understanding. Based on his 35 years in ministry, author Jim Rosemurgy has developed a prayer and meditation practice called The Gathering. In just 40 days, The Gathering will become your foundation for a genuine, ever-deepening experience of God's imminent presence and unlimited power. You'll understand that God can't fulfill your needs, but your needs can be met. You'll see that prayer isn't something you do, it's something you experience. Explore Jim Rosemurgy's new book, The Gathering, a 40-day guide to the power of group and personal prayer. Available now at www.unitybooks.org. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 